about that. Thanks. So, yep. So the context of David's sin here in Second Samuel eleven and twelve. Before we look at Psalm thirty-two, David should have been with his men. Think of Saul. Saul was at least in his tent when the armies of Israel were out facing Goliath and the rest of the Philistines, right? He might not have been the one that went out and confronted Goliath, but he was at least there on the field of battle. Where's David? David's at home. David maybe couldn't sleep, goes and walks around a bit in the evening and sees a woman. Now, I don't think the Bible would indicate that him having encountered her was per se a sin, but what came next certainly was. He sent and inquired about her. Obviously, there's a line being crossed from, I saw someone and appreciated that she was beautiful, and turned away at that point, to, and I'm going to pursue her. And then someone says, and she's married. And he says, and I'm still going to pursue her. And then they commit this act of adultery, and it's fascinating that it says, in verse 4, she purified herself from her uncleanness. There is a there's an irony that sometimes in the context of our sin we are still trying to follow what God expects of us. And perhaps David and Bathsheba thought that no one would discover what they had done. However, she becomes pregnant. And so then David, I think, to a certain extent, is concerned for what will happen. So he sends for her husband with the hopes that her husband will come and lie with her and that the pregnancy can be excused because of it being in a short context on something that had actually taken place with her husband. But Uriah says, no, I'm supposed to be out fighting the battle. And he refuses to do as David has encouraged him. And so then David decides that the next course of action is to get rid of Uriah. Verse 15, place him in the front of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. Joab says, tell the king what happened because not only Uriah but several others died. If he is angry at you, tell him that Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So if David gets upset that several Israelites are dead, remind him that the one that you sent out to arrange for his death is also dead. So now David's sin has not only been of adultery, not only have been trying to conceal that adultery, not only have been arranging the death of someone, but also orchestrating the death of other Israelites as well. And so David has sinned grievously in God's sight. Of course, Nathan in chapter 12 tells the story of the man who steals the lamb, even though he has many in his flock, and then the famous words, you are the man, thou art the man. And David at that point repents, and yet the child of Uriah, Uriah's wife Bathsheba and David dies at the end of chapter 12. In that context, David in Psalm 32 writes about sin. And he says, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity 
and whose spirit there is no deceit. Consider these words in light of what we just looked at. God has forgiven this person's sin. God does not count his iniquity against him. The spirit of that man is not full of deceit. Something significant had to have happened between chapter 11 and what David is saying here in Psalm 32. You don't go from committing adultery, lying about it, trying to cover it up, arranging for the death of someone so that you can hide it, and now he says, the one whose transgression is forgiven, sin is covered, God does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. That deceit, that sin had to be dealt with. Verse 3, the first response that we tend to have to sin, when I kept silent about my sin, that's is almost invariably our, our default reaction to when we sin. Going to cover it up, pretend it didn't happen. If we are close to God as we should be, we will have a sense of guilt, but there's still a part of us that tries to hide our sin. Think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God was going to come walk with them. God made them. God knew everything about them. They hid in the trees. Why? Because they wanted to hide their sin. Their sin caused them to be aware of their nakedness and turned it into something shameful, and they made clothes for themselves out of leaves, and God said, what are you doing? And then all of the blaming the other person for their specific sin. When I kept silent about my sin, it has consequences. My body wasted away through my groaning all day long. There is the sighing and the sorrow of regret. There is the physical consequence of the internal agony of guilt that was affecting David physically. We think that we can hide our sin, but unless we are given over by God to condemnation, guilt will plague us. Guilt will have consequences in our heart, in our mind, in our body. Second half of verse 4, my vitality, or verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. When I was in high school, we went and we had a like track and field day which I was not well prepared, wasn't particularly in shape. It was a really hot summer day. I came home and I had not heat stroke, but just exhausted from being out in the sun. That's the feeling that David is describing. You're just worn out. You're exhausted. You feel like you have no strength. It's drained from you. And the reason for it is verse 4 at the beginning. Your hand was heavy upon me. God was in opposition to David, which is a good reminder for us doesn't tolerate sin in our lives. We feel like I can cover my sin and everything will be okay, but it's foolish for us to think that God doesn't see it. Think of Psalm 139. If I go to the heights, if I go to the depths, if I go to the furthest place, if I'm in the darkness, if I'm in the light, God sees all. We can't hide from God any more than Adam and Eve could hide by standing in the middle of the trees that God made, that God was aware of. 
it is foolish for us to try to cover our sin. It is foolish for us to fail to confess our sin. The turning point is in verse 5. The thing that connects 2 Samuel 11 and Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, is what we see in verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you. When we acknowledge our sin to God, it's not just that we say, you know, God, I made a mistake. Could have done better there. Everybody's human. We call sin, sin. I lied. I stole. I cheated. I expressed hatred toward this person. I coveted. I Whatever it is, call it sin as the Bible calls it. Our society does not like to call things sin. So-and-so is a kleptomaniac. So-and-so is an alcoholic. So-and-so is a, I forget the technical word, a habitual liar. Just who they are. They can't help it, so we need to let them off the hook. God calls it sin, you and I. 